Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Um, today we're going to talk about one of the components, and it's a major component, of resiliency. And people who are resilient, which means that you bounce back from stressors, um, you bounce back from adverse situations that you have found yourself in, they, they find meaning in that situation in some way. So you have a bad situation, something happens, um, and it can be, you know, the death of somebody that's close to you. Uh, it can be losing your job. It can be losing your home in some way. Um, <clears throat> lots of lots of adverse situations. It can be one of these mass shootings that we've had. Um, people who are resilient eventually find some meaning in the in the tragedy. They learn something from the event, and usually when they learn something. They come up with a way that they can use it to help themselves and or other people. Um, many people who have been in abusive situations, uh, abused as children, for example, will take that abusive situation and use it to work with children or other people who have also survived abuse. Um, so that's how they bounce back from that situation. The importance of doing that is um, because if you're able to reframe a negative situation, then you move from being the victim, the, you know, poor me, it happened to me, that type of thing, to the survivor. Now you, you reframe that into finding meaning or um, something that you have learned, some way that you can benefit. And so you move to the survivor role. And the survivor, it happens, and I can survive. I can move past this. You know, it happened for uh, a reason. There was something in that that I was able to to take out and, and use to help other people. As long as you're feeling like a victim, it happened to me. Um, you're feeling helpless, usually hopeless. You're still living in fear, um, or, you know, if it happened one time, it could happen again, or if something bad happened, it, other things bad could happen. And so, therefore, I always have to be on guard. I can't do anything to help myself, that type of attitude. But if you move from that to the survivor, then you're feeling like you do have power. Um, you realize that, you know, just because a bad situation happened, or maybe he was kind of a pattern throughout my life, there's something that I can do to change that, and there's something that I can do to prevent things from happening. Um, you have more control over yourself and over your life, or at least you, you feel like you have that feeling. And if you have the feeling of more control, ultimately you do have more control, because You'll find yourself making decisions based on what you want to do or what you know is right um, or not right for your life versus just going with the flow and doing what everybody else tells you to do. 
um, many times, you know, victims will find themselves doing things because other people tell themselves or tell them to do it um, because they still think of themselves as being a victim, somebody who is helpless and without without power. Uh, while you're in the victim role, and it's normal to go through if you, if you have something that happens to you, it's normal to go through the the poor me, you know, this happened to me um, role. So we don't want to not go through that because going through that can help you move from that to the survivor. So, you know, you don't want to get the idea here that, that you can't have time to feel sorry for yourself to acknowledge that a really awful thing happened in your life and it has affected you majorly. Um, because you do want to acknowledge that. You want to be able to move through, you know, in the steps and in the time that it might take. Um, but when you're in that helpless, <clears throat> powerless position, your cortisol is extremely high. Because what your brain is trying to do is produce enough cortisol, enough adrenaline, to rescue you from a bad situation. Now, the brain, unfortunately, doesn't know, and this is where we get into trouble. The brain doesn't know how much cortisol to release. It doesn't know, for example, whether you need a little bit of cortisol to, you know, just kind of get you through this this situation of, oh, something that, you know, it's frustrating, but it's not life-threatening, like breaking your favorite vase or um, not doing well on a, on a test. Well, that can be a bad situation for a lot of people, but it's probably not life-threatening. But the brain will still produce the same amount of cortisol for that situation as it will for if you have to rescue yourself or somebody else from a burning building, or if you have to rescue yourself or somebody else from drowning, or if you have experience some major losses. So the brain continues to produce a high level of cortisol, even though the situation may not really warrant that much cortisol. <clears throat> and that can get us into trouble because if we have too much cortisol, it can quickly become toxic. And if you don't use the cortisol that you are producing, it can definitely become toxic. So that's the important thing to know about the cortisol, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, reducing, decreasing the levels of cortisol is done through relaxation, like deep breathing exercises, meditation, yoga, things like that. Um, sometimes music, but sometimes not. Sometimes people like music, and they listen to music, and they think that music is helpful. But it may also be stressing you out because you may be listening to music, say, that was, you know, your your husband's favorite music or your mom's favorite music, or that has lyrics in there that remind you of past stressful events. Um, so music may or may not be all that helpful, and that's why when you hear um, meditation music, it's kind of all one rhythm, all one then it doesn't really have words. And if they do, there's just a one line repeated over and over um, because, uh, it, you know, it's designed not to be stress-provoking. 
So reducing the cortisol basically is through relaxation, um, exercise, and drinking water. And a lot of times, you know, we forget that. Um, we don't get enough exercise because during a stressful situation, we might feel tired or we might not feel like getting exercise or we might not really have as much energy to get exercise, but it really is important. And we also may not drink as much water. We might think that, you know, right now water doesn't taste good. Um, or maybe for some people, it's just more effort to get the water than it feels worth. So, you know, they just don't. But it's important to make sure that you have lots of water available to you. Um, when you do get your cortisol reduced, you will notice that your mood starts to stabilize. You're not as emotional. You're not having as many outbursts of either anger or crying. Um, you'll notice that <clears throat> comments that people make don't seem to affect you as much. You're able to kind of shake it off and, and realize that it really wasn't about you. It was, you know, just some comment. You'll notice that your sleep improves um, and you'll be able to get regular sleep for longer periods of time because high cortisol definitely keeps you awake. It is like a major, major caffeine blast. And it will definitely keep you awake or it will interrupt sleep. A lot of times uh, when, you, when you've gone through something, that's why people will fall asleep for short periods of time. And then they'll wake up very suddenly and very abruptly. Um, so once the cortisol re or lowers, then you'll be able to sleep better. You'll find that your appetite regulates itself uh, as opposed to, you know, either being absolutely starving or not hungry at all, you'll find that you're starting to eat more like you did before the event. And as a result of all of that, your energy, your interest, and your motivation is going to pick up. So those are reasons to keep your cortisol low. Um, low cortisol equals calm, focus, relaxed. And that aids in the better sleep, the better appetite, the higher energy, and more motivation. So, and it also helps, you know, you'll, you'll realize that you're coming now into the um, survivor because your cortisol is, is improved. Um, so, how do you learn from adverse events? I mean, there are some situations that, you know, you look at that and you're like, there's nothing to be learned from that. That was just absolutely horrible. And there's nothing to be learned from it. But there really is. Um, so what you learn to do is think about the situation very critically. Um, instead of personalizing the situation as something that happened to you or something that somebody else made happen to you or something that God made happen to you, uh, think about that situation as you know, maybe it was in some plan, or maybe it's just in the grand scheme of things, or maybe it was a random event, um, it, or because of somebody else's deep sickness. Um, but it, but it didn't. It wasn't intended directly to you for a reason, because most things really aren't. Now, granted, there are times when people do things to us. 
you know, they, they may rape us or they may rob us, something like that. But even then, you can realize that um, it's probably a random event. You were probably in the wrong place at the wrong time, or that person is deeply disturbed. So it wasn't necessarily about you. It's more about them. Um, So then you think about what did you actually learn from that? And to do that, you have to, first of all, you you don't personalize it. You stay calm, and you think the situation through as critically as you can. Um, So then you can come up with something that you actually did learn, and you can actually share that with other people. Um, This is not to blame yourself, because you don't blame yourself for things that happened. But you might say, you know, let me be a little bit more cautious if I was out alone at night and somebody attacked me. Um, Let me be a little more cautious next time when I go out. Uh, Let me take uh, self-defense classes or let me have some type of a personal alarm. You know, things like that. Take a different route. Um, So, you know, you don't blame yourself for something happening, but you can look at those situations and think about things that you actually did learn Maybe it is that, you know, we really can't control all situations or we really can't control people. And so you start to give up some of your need for control over other people. Um, Maybe, like in COVID, you know, many of us have used the opportunity to uh, learn new things. We've connected on Zoom or we've connected you know, with each other in various ways. Excuse me. And we may not have done that had it not been for COVID. So it's been helpful in teaching us that, you know, you can't always connect with people face-to-face, but you can certainly connect with people in other ways. And that can be very meaningful. Um. Maybe it's helped you figure out other ways of doing things that you typically used to do. I used to always go shopping. Um, I'd get on the bus and get somebody to help me at the store and drag all the stuff back on the bus and and complain about it bitterly and (laughs) bring stuff back up, you know, to the house and put it away. While I enjoy those experiences, what I've learned is that I'm really enjoying using Grocery delivery services is a lot less stressful. It's a lot less work, and I'm able to, you know, get what I want and that type of thing. So, <clears throat> man, I probably wouldn't have really started to do that as much had it not been for COVID. So that's basically how you you learn new things. You just think about what would my life have been like if this situation had not occurred, and what have I actually learned from the situation. And it's really important to realize that when you do learn new things, it can make you a more stronger person. It can make you more compassionate. Um, It can make you have an an enhanced feeling of gratitude. It can also bring out negative emotions. But what you want to do is try to work through those and allow the positive emotions to come out. Then what you do is figure, okay, so what have I learned from this situation? 
And how can this situation help me? And how can it help other people? What can I do with this situation? That's exactly how a lot of support groups get started, because people have lost people, so they start grief support groups. Or people have survived cancer, and it was really scary, and they went through a lot of stuff, and so they start a cancer survivor group. Um, So a lot of support groups get started in that way, and it doesn't mean that you know, you're providing therapy, you're just providing support because you've been there and you know how it feels and you want to provide support for other people. So what I would encourage you to do now is take a few minutes to think about a situation that happened to you and share what you have learned and how kind of how did you come about that? And then maybe uh, if you're doing anything with that experience, because that may be helpful for other people who are still struggling. So, anybody ready to share? Can you hear me, Jessica? Mark Tardis has his hand up. I can't remember. Go ahead, Mark. Unmute yourself. Hello, this is Mark. Hello. Hi, Mark Tardif of Madawaska, Maine, um, where spring has come. Um, and um, I can think of a few things. <clears throat> What's all that beeping? Um, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Okay. Um, the, um, but one of the ones that I think of is um, um, when my wife divorced me back in 1992. Um, and, um, you know, that was, a, um, for a while, it was very, very clingy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I suppose, the victim, you know, uh, stage, but um, it was very clingy. But what worked for me is that I had quite a good support group. But what I learned from it, one of the things I learned from it, because for a while it didn't have any meaning. It was just, oh, this is terrible, you know. But um, um, was not to ignore red flags before getting married. Um, And there were enormous red flags that I just chose to not deal with um, that I should have seen and respected. But I thought... My thinking at the time was, I'm going to fix these for my for my intended wife. This won't be a problem when we got married, um, and, or this won't. And um, and they were problems. I mean, you can't fix somebody else. Uh, and um, you uh, and that's another thing I learned. And and that um, you know, to observe what's going on emotionally. I mean, um, this was somebody who, once things got hard just wanted to back out automatic. Her automatic response was to back out. And I'm not saying she was entirely to blame. I had some responsibilities in this too. Um, but, um, but also to be more supportive um, because we had certain traumatic events um, during our crazy marriage um, and where we both needed the emotional support. Um, and um, I was very, I'm going to handle this myself kind of thing. And, and it just didn't work for me. And I pretty much became a basket case, but, um, but no, the, the, the big one I think was the red flag issue. I mean, there were some things that she told me and that I was observing that, Oh, no big deal. I mean, yeah, there are problems, but we'll fix those, you know? Um, and, uh, so that was the kind of thing that I think I learned from, um, from that whole experience of, um, very, very turbulent marriage and then a divorce. Well, that's good that you 
learn those things, and you can certainly use those red flags to hopefully avoid, you know, the same type of situation or relationship oh, in yeah. the future. Yeah. Yeah. And you may be able to let other people know some of those red flags that you figured out. And when you see that, you can say, mm-hmm. And I have to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I yeah. have to. That's very true. Oh, and by the way, um, I will let people know that I'm going to be in Florida starting tomorrow for a few weeks. And I, so I probably won't be on the Zoom calls much um, for a while, but I'll be back in the middle of April. So Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Hey, Karen, you can unmute yourself and talk. I've always had a, a fear, I guess, of doctors and medical things and all that thing. I, I put off, you know, maybe going to the doctor when I should have. Anyway, in 2005, I found out I had uterine cancer and I had a great fear of the anesthesia and the whole thing of giving up that control of my body and what if, you know, just the whole thing. I'd never done it before. And I pretty much became, I had to actually ask my doctor just for a short term use of something to help me with the anxiety just till the surgery because they couldn't do it for a while. And I had myself all worked up and a frenzy. And well, then I started learning about everything. I spent a long time talking to the anesthesiologist. I asked him every question I wanted to ask. And a lot of people think you shouldn't take their time and everything, but he was willing to talk to me. And so I, I learned everything I could about the whole situation and I came through it just fine. And uh, a lot of my fears don't exist now in that area. And I've been able to talk to other women who have you know, found out they have that same kind of cancer and reassure them and help them with some of the things that I learned from it. Well, there so you go. A- Wow. I do know that's that was a pretty big adversity. Things. That's what? That was a pretty big adversity at the time. You know, the whole, Absolutely. I was just really afraid of the surgery. Um, I wasn't worried about the after effects. I hadn't even thought about whether I might have to have treatments or I was just really afraid of the anesthesia. Um, oh. But I did a lot of praying and, and learned what I could and, uh, you know, came through it fine. But and that's one of the important things about if you, if you possibly can, to try to learn as much as you possibly can about what you're going to be dealing with or what you're going to be facing as possible. Yeah, so I got that, some books. Yeah. On, on cancer and Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we come up with the worst possible scenario and it really isn't that way. Yeah, for me it was just I guess I like having control of whatever's going on and I didn't want to give that to somebody else, you know, while I was asleep. Um mm-hmm. You know, that that was a big thing. It can be a huge thing. And in fact, I I wasn't really trying to, but my body, you know, I, I he kept saying, Are you sure you're still awake? And I say, Yeah, I'm still here, you know. <laughs> but and finally I didn't have any more choice in it, but you know, even my brain or whatever fought it long as it could, you know, but uh you know, it was okay. But I don't know why people have that fear of, of dentists and doctors and all. I don't know where that comes from, but a lot of people have it. Well, it's basically the fear of the unknown. And like you said, you don't want to give up control, even if you do think they're experts or whatever. And then, of course, you know, we've all seen and heard about tragedies and horrors that do happen. So right. then 
Yeah, and that kind of reinforces, oh, well, it happened to that person, even though it hasn't happened to 100,000 other people. You know, Everybody likes to tell you that one person they know of or something happened, you know. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes those stories are even... Exaggerated. Uh, yeah, or you, you leave out other information that may have been a, a big factor in that. Okay, Jesse, there are no more hands raised at this time. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, does anybody else have any questions or you want to talk about something? or Because we do have some time. Pam Coffee's hand is raised. Go ahead, Pam. Hello. Um, I had a situation. Oh, it's been a number of years now. It was when my mother passed away, and that was in 2004. Uh, you know, I had been felt pretty close to her siblings and, you know, the family that was still there, although some had, well, we, there had been some difficulties. And in my situation, it was the opposite of Mark because now, now I've never been married. But what happened to me is I saw the red flags and other people did not. And you can imagine what the outcome of that was. Um, and it was very difficult. And if if I learned something from all of that situation and its aftermath is if you see a red flag, don't ignore it, because if you do, it's it's going to come back to haunt you. It's, you're you're going to have um, you're you're probably going to have problems as a result of that. And it went on for years um, dealing with. Well, you you find out the hard way sometimes what some of your relatives really think about you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I learned quite a bit from that. And and like I said, uh, if you start to see a red flag, don't ignore it. Well, you're right. And very often those those red flags can, you know, let us know uh, that we need to be either a little bit more cautious or uh, avoid or maybe confront an issue. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. You're right. Don't ignore the red flags. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and basically red flags are when something just doesn't feel right or, you know, it feels uncomfortable, especially repeatedly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you learned that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Okay, Beth, it's your turn. Unmute yourself. Can you all hear me okay? Yep. Because I've been having trouble with this crazy phone. Um, I had a situation in 84 when my son was, my son was born with Down syndrome. And although his father can see, but he's like, you know, I've never had any, I've never had that to deal with where I come from. The woman does all the rearing of the child and stuff. And he, he just, he didn't want to participate in the therapy or anything like that. And that, really concerned me um it wasn't that he didn't want to i guess he didn't know how or he didn't i don't know he's from a different culture he's from a different country and he's like well you know men don't do that the women are the ones that really 
deal with, like I said before, the deal with the kids. So I would have to get on the bus and take him to therapy and then come back. And then, so as a result, uh, I could only work sometimes like half a day and stuff like that. But I was terrified at first. I'm like, my gosh, what am I going to do? And then some doctors wouldn't even help you with the stuff that you, that you needed because they didn't think a blind person could take care of, a, of another oh. disabled person. And, uh, I don't know. That was kind of, that was kind of a pain for me too. Had I realized that that was going to happen, I think we would have gone to another state like that's more progressive, like Texas or something like that. I think he could have gotten better care than he, he did turn out to be a, a nice young man. You know, he's, 37, but it, it was a scary, very, very scary situation. Yeah, I can imagine. Because not only are you responsible for your life, you're responsible for someone else's life, a little life, too, that can't protect himself, you know? Exactly. Well, having a baby or, or a child is a very scary situation, and then having a child with a disability has to be even more scary, and especially if it's a disability that you know maybe you don't know that much about. And then, like you said, you have all these people who don't think that blind people should raise children, let alone a child with a disability. But, you know, there you are with that child. And so, yeah, I'm sure you learned a lot. And I did talk to a lot of my mother's friends because uh, my mom belonged to a support group for, like, parents of blind children. Okay. And I'm like, well, how did you guys do it, you know? And they're like, well, you know, they just told me, I mean, by this time, these ladies were in their 70s and 80s, a lot of them, or, you know, or 60s, and and, uh, so they told me how they did it at that time. I think that really helped me a lot more than a lot of the doctors, and then I met some people in his therapy class, in his, you know, and all of us mothers used to get together, it was, and uh, we joined that parents reaching out, and that was a big help. Well, that's cool. Wow. Okay, yeah. Shanty. So, uh, Shanty, um, uh-huh. should I go ahead? Is she? Are you done, uh, Beth? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Shanty, Shanty Pram, you had your hand up, but you put it down. Uh, if you were next on the list, do you want to say anything? I lost my nerve. <laughs> oh, honey. Okay. Well, if you if you find it, you're welcome to put it back up again. Mary, <laughs> thank you. Mary Carla Hayes, it's your turn. You hear me? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, because Zoom is doing me dirt these days. (laughs) Um, But um, with me, it's a a mixed bag. Um, You know, my mother passed away, um, but I've I've had a lot of of issues being alone. And I've had to learn to cope, and it has made me more resilient as far as um, transportation, for example. I'm not in public transportation. I don't, I, we have shared ride, but you know what the limitations are about that. And I've learned to use go-go grandparent, and that, that really helps a whole lot. But I don't share your love of ordering groceries. Um, our <laughs> website is so bad that half the time, I'll, it'll take me three hours to place an order. And it's just so frustrating because... I don't know, JAWS doesn't let me push the buttons or sometimes you'll have all the stuff in the cart and then it'll just erase it all. And I am so frustrated. There are times I just feel like, you know, and I keep complaining to them and saying, this is not an accessible website. I don't know if anybody's come up with any 
I know this isn't a technology call, but um, I'd like to hear from you how you developed your love for online shopping and if you know any um, tips and tricks that made it so that you loved it, I guess. So thanks. And I'm really enjoying these calls, by the way. Thank you so much again for them. You're welcome. And I don't use the computer for the shopping. I use the iPhone and it works really well, but unfortunately, well, usually, but um, yeah, it would be interesting to talk to other people who you do use JAWS on the computer to see if, you know, they Excuse have. Me just a second, please. Whoever is pushing the phone buttons, please stop. Very distracting. Thank you. Oh, uh, it, it would be uh, good to talk to somebody who uses jaws with these things because i'm sure other people do if it works at all well it you know it'll work um and there's sometimes go through without a glitch but there are other times that you know it'll take three hours and like the other night oh wow you know i it was getting to be two o'clock in the morning and there have been times i said oh just forget it and i do without groceries for a week or two and i Stagger my food, and I've I've dealt with milk that's not very fresh just to make it last, and I mean it's just been really discouraging. And um, you know, I I don't know. I hate to keep um, depending on people and imposing on people, and um, and and some people just don't get it. Like my brother doesn't get it. He he lost his wife, and he was so lonely that he went um, to a dating service right away, and you know, and all that. And, and yet when I told him I was lonely and I missed going out and everything, his attitude is, well, you just got to get better coping mechanisms. And oh, that made me mad. Cause I said, yeah, your coping mechanism, what just, just go to a dating service. You know what I mean? I don't have thousands of dollars to blow on things like that. And I think you're putting your head on the block. You know what I mean? But um, you know, I, I've become more resilient, but I would be willing to hear anybody's thoughts on any of these things. Or am I just alone? Because I don't know. Well, I don't know that you're alone, but I think that, um, you know, keep posing your questions about the shopping thing to other groups because hopefully you can connect with somebody who can be more helpful. I was just curious what grocery service you're using with Jaws. It's called Giant Eagle. That's our local grocery store. It's called Giant Eagle. And it's, you know, they don't use Instacart or anything. They just, they do the deliveries themselves. And they were bragging on, oh, how they'll deliver and how they'll, you can have curbside pickup and all this. But this website is, uh, it's awful. Does Instacart serve your area at all? Oh, if I wanted to go to Aldi's, I guess it would. And I'd have to learn how to, you know, somebody would have to. Uh, I got that delivery. It is a little better with jaw, with screen readers. That's Excuse me. I'm sorry. Are you the one, are you the one that uses grand, uh, Google Grandparent? Yes, I am. They Did you know that they have a grocery thing, too, where they um, deliver your groceries for you? Yeah, I'm going to have to try that. It's $13 a pop, which is a lot more than the $9.95 that Giant mm. Eagle would charge me. But I guess I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and try them sometime. Yeah, I just it, wanted to suggest that that would be a little easier for you. Maybe it would. It may be worth the extra three bucks. <laughs> maybe they would, yes. Aggravation. It, would. it would be to me. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say I am advocating for them to do something about this website because even the employee thinks this website is junk. So it's not yeah. just- well, Hopefully they will, but maybe now that you know about Instacart working better or Go Go Grandparents, uh, the Go Go Groceries, um, that might be a couple of things that you could check out. 
just to save your sanity, <laughs> you know? Okay, Karen, your hand is up. I was going to mention the go-go groceries, too. And um, I don't know if Walmart delivers in your area or not, but I'm told if you can set up an account on walmart.com, you can call the 1-800-WALMART, and they will you know, f- fill the cart and everything for you if they deliver in your area. And a lot more of them are delivering now than they used to. My Walmart just so is even- close. They told me they're not close enough to come out to where I live. Um, you know, I did ask them. They're like 20, 30 okay. minutes away. But, but thanks for the suggestion. And I think Amazon delivers a lot of, if there's the Amazon Fresh, is there's delivering in a lot Amazon of areas Fresh now. In your area. We don't hear yet, but if you have Amazon Fresh, their website is easy to deal with. Um, with JAWS, I tend to use Microsoft Edge now because it works a little bit better. I think it's if you have Amazon Prime. Well, you might get some things off of that. Yeah, they have Whole Foods and Amazon Fresh. Uh-huh. A couple, of, hard. couple of my blind friends use that all the time for their groceries. Okay. They have so many accessible numbers that somebody might even help you. You know, Amazon with that. I don't know if you can use, you know, the Lady A for that or not, but you can order your Amazon with her. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I've tried to, to do that. They want you to have an iPhone, and I don't. And I just, no, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand. Window Eyes was so much better with websites, in my opinion. And I went to Jaws kicking and screaming, but I know this isn't a tech call. But those are the things that I'm dealing with. But I do want to say that this being alone um, has made me more resilient. You know, I've been forced to do things and it's made me stronger in the long run in a lot of ways because it gets awfully lonely. I'm beginning to deal with a lot of the same issues as my mom passed away in November from the virus. And I had to quit working at the same time. And so I've lost my job. And I know what you're saying. And I'm in a rural area, kind of. So a lot of the things I'm finding out a way to do, too. And my sister's kind of like your brother. She says, you need to get out more. You need to get out. I'm going to take you places. But it doesn't happen. And she comes here and goes to bingo. And, you know, there's no mention of me going with her or anything. I find out when she's on her way home. Um, And if she'll say, anything you need, just let me know. And I'll ask her to pick something up while she's out. I never see it. Yeah, you know, with your brother. Depending on other people, you know. Right. Especially as we get older, I think, because, you know, they're more set in their ways and they've been going 30 and 40 years without really doing too much for us. Right. Because once she, she left the home and married, you know, in 77, she hasn't yeah. really, you know, dealt with me as a sister as often as she used to. And I don't think she has any concept of what it's like once we grew up. Exactly. And then I could use her help now, you know, a little bit. Yeah, and so once that happens, the feeling of isolation and, and aloneness can sometimes be overwhelming. But you're right, you just have to try new things and talk to people and see how they're doing things and see if that'll work for you, and some of it will and some of it isn't going to for different reasons. With you, the last few weeks have really been helpful. I've taken notes and, you know, well, I'm glad learn that from they're them. helpful. And, you know, everybody can put input into them, and, and they'll be even more productive. Okay. Uh, Shanti, it's your turn. I'm very grateful for these calls, and I, I hope I can be of help to anyone in any of these calls. And I've, I went through similar 
situations where I, I lost my job and my home and I had to move. And then uh, I lost several family members. And all through those losses, I was so grateful for my guide dog because I could just get out and just go for a walk and walk off any anxiety or anger because I had gotten robbed as well. Oh, wow. I was just so thankful for my dog. But now I've lost her just a couple months ago. And I find myself cocooning and, and not wanting to leave my cocoon. And, and I'm very fortunate that I have delivery services and I don't ever have to leave. But it's, um, you know, I just people ask me, you know, are you going to get another dog? And I just tell them it just hurts too much still. And I just don't know when I'll be able to leave my cocoon and feel good about it well you know you've gone through a lot of things and a lot of uh, traumatic things have happened um so yeah i can certainly understand why right now you want to stay in your little safe place and um just just focus on living surviving and that's okay you know eventually maybe you'll decide that you can get another dog or you'll just take off with the cane or do whatever you need to do. But right now, sometimes we need to give ourselves permission that it's okay not to go out. It's okay to stay in your little cocoon. It's okay to, you know, just heal, to take care of yourself, to take care of what you have to do and go out when you're ready. Yeah, thank you. In the way you're ready. Well, your time. <laughs> Jesse, it's a 250, just so you know. Okay. I mean... Whatever, 5.50, whatever the time is, <laughs> after the hour. Yeah, I quickly did the math. <laughs> <laughs> can, um, I, can I say something just real quick? Absolutely. Um, I am probably the only person in the world who you will hear that says they have benefited from the COVID situation. Because all my life, I've run and run. I had two kids. I worked full time. I had a two-hour commute one way. Uh, I had a kind of, you know, just on and on. I had, but both my kids had illnesses. I mean, I, I've been married for 36 years. I couldn't have made it without my husband, but I never had the opportunity to sit down and relax and do the things that I wanted to do instead of the things that I had to do. Well, you know, I can do them now because, you know, we were supposed to be in the house. I'm not really thrilled about getting back to the, the to be four because I don't want to, I don't want to live like that anymore. Well, you know, that's important. And how do you think maybe you can take some of the things that you're doing now and continue them? I mean, I know the community calls. You know, they're not planning to go away. Yes. So I'm continuing we can as still, long as they have them. I yeah, we can still have them. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully we can get maybe some semblance of, of a balance, you know, of having some of the before things. But holding on to some of the other things too that have become important to people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's really incredible that you finally are in a position where you can just sit and relax and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't ever do nothing. I read, I, but I, you know, it's stuff I ha- I want to do, not the things that I have to do. Well, do nothing. Not, yeah, that's what I meant. You don't have to do it. You can just do, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. see if we have any more hands. Nope. Oh, Beth's hand is up. Come on out, Miss Beth. I was just going to ask the lady that lost her home and lost everything. What did, so what did you do? 
um, mm, that kind of happened to us too. We moved ten years ago to take care of them. my mother's cousin. Can you hear me all right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, and then so when she died, I don't know. Her husband thought that we were going to stay there, and um, and I guess he would try and take advantage of us too. And and then we said no. Me and the the kid's father said no, and so. Um, well, he said, well, then I don't want you here anymore. So then uh, we left, but then he broke into our storage. I think they did. His brothers, we can't prove it, but we lost everything, too. So uh, we've just been living in apartments and, you know, I mean, just we haven't had the, the money or the stuff to save up all the stuff that we had, you know. Well, well yeah, that can be hard. You know, you lose all your, your things or a lot of them and. Then you just have to slowly I mean, my start over. Away around that time too, so I mean, I got I have a daughter that can't leave the the old city where we were, and one in California, and my, and my son, you know, and I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. now what are we gonna do? And then people are because of COVID, you can't really like the other lady was saying, you can't really impose on people or or depend on. We moved to a little town that's very rural, and people are almost in the same boat. They're older people, and they're some of them don't drive, some of them do, but they're you know they're going on with their own lives and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, oh man. Well, one thing I discovered after having lost my house and then moved into another apartment, now I moved into even a smaller one because of finances. <clears throat> I don't need all the stuff I used to have. I had to get rid of boxes and boxes and boxes of things. Um, you know, it was all stuff that I thought that I was really attached to and liked. And once in a while, I think about things from that. But for the most part, I don't need all the stuff. <laughs> I live in an apartment. Yeah, we now. kind of discovered that too. Yeah. And and so you discover that you can actually live with a whole lot less. Um, and. I don't even need all the space that I used to have. I went from a two-story house with, I don't know, how many rooms, and now I live in a little apartment, which is a little bit bigger than a, in a hotel room. And it was an adjustment, but I'm happy. <laughs> we live in a studio apartment like that, and uh-huh. some people say, little, well, you can find yeah. a, a better place and stuff like that, because this place was built in the 1940s. We're like, well, you know, people do what they can afford. A lot of the rents have gone up faster than income. Well, that's another very important thing. Um, we can kind of probably wrap up with this. But, you know, it's very important to try to get away from other people telling you to do this or this or this or this. Because it's a lot easier for me to tell somebody what to do than to, one, do it myself, and two, live somebody else's life. So try to get away from, you know, when people start saying, well, you should get out more, or you should start dating, or you should, you will when you're ready. But until you're ready, you can just say, you know, I understand you're trying to be helpful, but please let me live my life. And when you're ready, you will figure out what you need or want to do. Jesse, mm-hmm. practice this. Thank you for caring and thank you for sharing. I don't know how many times I've said that to people. There you go. You go on and do whatever it was you were going to do in the first place. Yeah. Um, no hands, my dear. Okay. And it is.
what what time? And it's two fifty. It's fifty six after the hour. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, as always, thank you all for being here. Thank you for sharing and participating. You're the one who makes these calls. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, and if you have any other topics or things that you want to talk about, let me know, please, because I'm always looking for new topics. Um, half the time I'm late getting these scheduled because I'm still thinking of a topic. So send your suggestions. And thank you, Holly. And Desiree, is that you streaming? If so, thank you. Yes, <laughs> it, is, it is. All right. I thought that was you. Yep. Well, okay. it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. See you all next stream. week.